You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Six of Sense Podcast. I'm Lucas, I got Chris here. Sadly, no Jonathan, he's got other stuff going on tonight, but that's okay, because we still got plenty to talk about, about Sixers. But Chris, before we get started, I gotta talk to you. I'm not giving up Mikael Bridges, stop asking for him, okay? I have Fantasy deliberately overpaid multiple offers. I don't know okay. what money you want. There was like two that I was actually thinking about, to be fair, I'll, I'll give you that. But then you came up with this James Wiseman, Jaden Ivey. I, and I know. You should have taken my other ones. I'll still do whatever I did. I, oh, my gosh. I'm trying to about Bradley for Beal. guys that I like. That's my goal. Well, if you wanted to overpay for Nikola Jokic, I've told you what the overpay looks like. Yet you yeah. don't be that option. It doesn't work if I give up all of my favorite guys, though. I, I'm trying to make a team that... Is made up of my guys, and I've done a pretty good job. Uh huh. Sure, that, a lot that. of those guys are my guys. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Mikhail is awesome. Um, he has like forty-five points right now, so I'm never getting him. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's. Yeah, start. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're not getting him. Anyway, let's, yeah, let's go ahead. Let's, let's start, start with the Houston Rockets game, Lucas, uh, from a few nights ago. One twenty-three, one hundred four, Philadelphia was the final score. This was, of course, the day after the Super Bowl. So probably a bit difficult for some people in the city to get too excited about a game against the Houston Rockets, but a solid win nonetheless. Looking at the box score for Philadelphia, 23 points, six rebounds for Joel Embiid. James Harden was the real standout with 28 and 10 assists. 26 off the bench for Tyrese, hit four of his eight three-point attempts, had six dimes as well in 34 minutes. One of his best games uh, since the move to the bench. And notably, Tobias Harris had 11 points on five of eight shots with six boards and a couple of steals. He really hasn't quite been himself this, you know, much this past few weeks, but he, he's getting back there with these last couple of games. Uh, PJ Tucker played six minutes, got hurt, was back for the Cleveland game, which we'll talk about. So nothing serious, but that was notable. What were your takeaways in this game, Lucas? 
Well, let me start with the starters first. Like you said, Tobias kind of had a quiet game. I think Tobias is just trying to figure out where where he goes now with a healthy Tyrese getting a lot of shots. This was a weird game for Joel. In all, you know, in all accord, he should have dominated. You know, but twenty three points feels very underwhelming for the MVP candidate. Uh, you know, maybe it was just Joel kind of coasting through this game. I mean, it was never really in doubt here at any point. So I, I think it was just Joel more or less coasting. Um, that being said, if he's trying to win the MVP, I don't need him coasting. Um, but it was a good Sixers win overall. Like you said, 28 from James Harden, uh, you know, revenge game against prior former uh, team. Melton didn't really show up. Chris Melton, you know, he had two steals and a block, but only had three points on three shots. Uh, not not what you want to see from the guy that's replacing Tyrese Maxey in the starting five. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Melton's been a bit off and on lately uh, in general uh, with Joel. I mean, 23 points on 14 shots for 99 percent of the NBA. That's like a great game. Uh, I agree. He probably was coasting a bit. Only played 30 minutes instead of, say, 36, 37, which he might have played in a more competitive game. Um, but yeah, you, you want to get Joel some games where he can coast. I think that's generally a good thing uh, as they try to save him for the playoffs. So nothing that I'm really going to complain about. Again, James and Tyrese were really excellent. Eight points, 28 minutes in this game for the new guy, Jalen McDaniels. If we want to move to the bench, Lucas, he played really great on both sides of the ball, was a plus nine off the bench. He he looked really good. I think he's better than Matisse. <laughs> um, Don't tell yeah. that, uh, Good thing your eye is not on the podcast anymore. He would not be happy with that statement. I'm sorry, but it's true. Um, really good game overall for the bench. Shake had eight points on four shots. George hit a couple of threes. Paul Reed, 17 minutes. Just played really well. Had three blocks and two steals. Played really well in the Cleveland game. Like, like Paul Reed's really talk, good. Talk, I'm going to yeah, keep beating a drum. Yeah. Uh, yeah, talk about Paul Reed more in the Cleveland game because I want to make a point on that. But, yeah. yeah, you make a lot of good points. J-Mac, that's what I'm going to call him now, is uh, played really well. Look, he's a long, athletic wing. I mean, I know he's 6'9", but he's a wing. Like, he's a wing. He's not a, like... He's not a power forward. He's a small forward just based off of his skill sets. Like he has really quick feet. He has really long arms. And honestly, that's what this team was missing in terms of like, you know, the uh, on-court defender. He hit one three-pointer in this game on one attempt. You know, you would prefer to get something a little bit higher, but his versatility on defense. We'll talk more about the Cleveland game because he he was key in there towards the end of the game. But I think J-Mac has... Look, he's going to be a free agent this summer, so I don't know if we're going to be able to retain him. But in terms of fit, he's exactly what the Sixers need to coming off the bench in terms of defensively, because you needed to have a long wing that can defend athletically, not just like, you know, Matisse Thibault or P.J. Tucker, who are like really 6'5". No, this guy is actually a legit 6'9". So that's. I'm really happy about that. Paul Reed is starting to get more minutes, and I'll, I'll touch on that more in the Cleveland game. Tyrese Maxey, like you said, 26 points off the bench, Chris. Uh, six assists, five rebounds. Um, and he had a couple steals in this game, too. He's, I read an article recently uh, published by Noah Levick of NBCS Sports, and Tyrese has really talked about locking down defensively because I think Tyrese understands that if he wants to get back into the starting lineup, he's going to have to lock down defensively. And he has the athletic 
athleticism to do it. So that if he can athletically, you know, focus in defensively and still score at a pretty good rate, I mean, I, I'd be tempted to, I'd be tempted, Chris. I'm not saying that I would, but I would be tempted to entertain reinserting him into the starting five. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly think it's past time to put him back in the starting five anyways. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree 100%. Uh, so, Chris, there's one more thing we got to talk about in this section, right? Yeah. So, Houston, obviously, towards the bottom of the standings now, Lucas. Not not a team that's trying to win games, but even if you're a tanking team, you want to have a good process. You want to go about it the right way. You want to develop players in the right manner. And the sense around Houston right now is that they're just not doing that, that they're not run with the you know, to the kind of standard that you need to be running the NBA. Uh, you know, Stephen Silas is drawing a lot of ire for that as their head coach. Do you think it's time for Houston to find a new man to, to lead that team? I do. And this is, there, there's two reasons why. Because it shouldn't have taken half the freaking season to get Kevin uh, Ken, uh, Kenya Martin Jr. into the starting five. The guy's a freak athlete. He's a good defender. He can shoot well enough. He should have been in the starting five. It shouldn't have taken half the season. And outside of Alperin, Shangun, and Martin, Chris, do you see any legit like growth from any of the rest of the players? Like you can, you can be terrible, but I haven't seen any you know growth from Kevin Porter Jr. or Jalen Green or Jabari Smith. I haven't seen anything that's I can say is oh they've gotten legitimately better at. There's the, still the exact same players, and granted, Smith Jr. is a rookie, but the other guys are the exact same players that they were when they got to Houston. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. I, I have love for Steven Silas, especially because of his father. But at the same time, he's clearly not doing the right things to getting him them developed. And if he did, you wouldn't have you know little sound bites from Eric Gordon, you know, former veteran of the team that got traded at the trade deadline, stating they haven't gotten better. Like that's a red flag. Cause yeah, yeah, it is, and he's not wrong. Like you talk about Jalen Green, twenty nine points, six of twenty from the field in this game. He he's had some really impressive flashes. I think in general he's a very impressive young player, but like the accountability is not there. Him and Kevin Porter Jr. don't always play the most conducive to winning style of basketball uh they, well, they, they don't get have away a with a lot they don't put in yeah. effort on defense half the time it took them half a season speaking of Shane Goon to play Shane Goon like a starter and like the offensive fulcrum that he is um so yeah they, they just haven't put guys in the right place to succeed they haven't demanded the kind of you know dedication and, and two-way performance that you need to demand out of guys so yeah, I think it's time for them to find a new head coach. I, we were talking about Brett Brown a while back, and I, I think I mentioned like he'd be a really good fit for a team like Houston. So I'd be looking into Brett Brown if I was uh, the Rockets general manager right now. Uh, but whether it's Brown or someone else, I, I do think it's pretty clear that Silas just doesn't have NBA coaching chops, which is you know unfortunate, but you got to admit defeat at some point and, and try to move this team in the right direction. Absolutely. The only thing that I would say is probably stopping it is the fact that their uh, head coach is kind of a, not their head coach, their owner. Uh, Tillman Fertitta is kind of a cheap stake when it comes to that type of stuff. 
Let's go ahead and move on to the Cavs game, Chris, which just played tonight. We're recording after the game. I'm actually having the Lakers and Pelicans game on mute playing while we're recording. Chris, the Sixers won 118 to 112 against the Cavaliers. Probably a closer game than it should have, but the Sixers came out with a W. And, you know, the Sixers, you had Joel Embiid with 29 points, 14 rebounds, five assists. James Harden with 19 and 12. And Max Maxi was 16 points on 12 attempts. Bias Harris had uh, added 13. And Melton had a pretty good game with 17. Chris, what are your thoughts about the starters? Yeah, um, I mean, again, kind of a classic story with this team where they built up a big lead. They were up 21, 31-10, I think, in the first quarter at one point. They had a 28-point lead at some point in the first half. Third quarter, they let Cleveland back into it a little bit. But early fourth quarter, the lead's back to 22. And then Cleveland just goes on a monster run, ends up as a four-point game with about two minutes left. Cleveland, frankly, just didn't manage the clock very well late, which which helped the Sixers kind of cruise to victory there that last minute and a half. But this is not a game, like you said, that should have been as close as it was. Philly blew the doors off this team in the first half. Looked like the best Sixers team we've seen all season. And they just let Cleveland back into the game. Poor execution in the third quarter offensively, way too slow. Embiid not making quick enough decisions with the ball. Things were getting stagnant. Fourth quarter, a lot of the same. Um, you know, overall, performance-wise, you look at Joel's stat line, like 29 points, 14 boards, 5 assists, only 2 turnovers. Pretty good stuff. James was awesome early on, ended with 19 points and 12 dimes, made some really beautiful plays to set up others. He continues to have an awesome all-star caliber season, even though he's not an all-star. Like, like the performances were there. One of Melton's best games in a long time. He had 17 points and four dimes, hit two threes. Uh, PJ had 10 points on four or five shooting, hit both of his three-point attempts. Like, that's not something we've gotten out of PJ very often this year. So, you know, looking at individual performances, it's hard to find, you know, anything to complain about. But just execution-wise, down the stretch there in that, that second half, it, it, it wasn't great. But when you get out to a 28-point lead in the first half, you give yourself some breathing room. So so there were plenty of positives to take away from this game. Cleveland came in on a seven-game win streak. That's a really good team. They were only one game behind Philly in the standings coming into it. So Philly now moves a game further ahead of them. So it's a big win. A lot of impressive stuff going on. But still some of that classic Sixers not doing as much as they could do kind of stuff happening. So, you know, you'll take the good with the bad when it results in a big win, but still a lot they need to work on. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree that, the, you know, it wasn't the ideal outcome. There were times where the team definitely took their foot off the gas. Uh, talking about Joel, you know, we he had 29 and 14. Considering that the Cavs are one of the maybe four or five teams in the NBA built actually that could actually bother Joel. I think that's a solid stat line. You did, you, you know, he wasn't the fastest on decisions. I'll, I'll give you that. But at the end of the day, I don't think you could complain too much about the starting five, but let's go to the bench. Chris, you know, Maxie had 16 points, but outside of that, what did you think? Yeah. Um, I mean, I thought Maxie played pretty well. Uh, you I'd ideally, frankly, like him to play more than 28 minutes. Uh, I mean, as great as Milton was in this game, as good as PJ was, played 21 minutes. Like, 
Tyree should be breaking 30 minutes every night, even if he's still going to come off the bench. Other than that, it was, it was a bit of an up-and-down game for Jalen McDaniels. He had four fouls in 12 minutes, but he handled some pretty difficult matchups, and his versatility is, is pretty clearly going to be a big boost for the second unit down the stretch. Yeah, he's guarding um, Donovan Mitchell most of the time. That's that's a hard assignment for a guy that size. Yeah, so so he deserves some uh, some slack there. Um, Paul Reed, uh, like a really good nine and a half minutes from Paul Reed. Five points, two blocks, four rebounds, two two from the field. Had a couple impressive finishes inside. Like like Paul, just effort wise and energy wise, is so clearly an upgrade over Montrez, and I'll di- we haven't even seen him in a Sixers uniform, but I'll say Dwayne Denman as well. So hopefully he continues to get these minutes. I mean, it's been abundantly clear over these past three games now that Paul is the guy and, and that Harrell is not the guy by extension. So hopefully that continues. He, he was really big in, in building that first half lead for Philly, keeping it going uh, when Joel sat. So he, he deserves a ton of credit. Everyone listening to this podcast on a regular basis knows that I love Paul Reed. So I, I'm just going to, again, I'm going to keep beating that drum till the end of time because I'm right. He's really good. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, okay. So let's go to get hit Maxi first. Yeah, I think he needs to be playing 30 plus minutes a night. Milton had a solid game considering he only got 10 minutes. I'd, I, you know what? The rest of the bench, uh, you know, Daniels, you use him more for defense than offense. If he can give you something offensively, great. But the defense is really what you needed him for. Uh, Jordan Yang, only one three-point attempt in 13 minutes is a little disappointing. I'm not going to lie. I was hoping, you know, he's been pretty aggressive this year. So only one three-point attempt, two shots is not what you hope for, for a Sixers fan. Let me go to Paul Reed. Now, originally in our agenda, I had, you know, does this help the Sixers cement their, their you know, in the East. But I'm going to change the question on the spot here, Chris, because let's talk about Paul Reed a little bit more. Paul Reed, for like you said, the last three games has really been showing that it's his position to lose now. And I don't know what made Doc make the change, but what do you think about Doc switching from Montrez to Paul at the midpoint of this season? Why do you think Doc waited until now to do it? And is there any chance that Doc's going to make uh, what we will both believe would be a mistake in going back to Montrez towards the playoffs? Paul, I, I, I think it's been pretty clear from the jump for most people that he was going to be the superior option. I, I get giving Montrez some run early in the season. He has a long track record of being a very good, you know, sixth man of the year candidate not that long ago. Like, he, he's been very good in the recent past, so I understand you giving him a shot. Um, but it was pretty clear early on that, that Reed was the better option as for why Doc didn't go with him. Again, I think Doc just has a natural prejudice against young guys. It's, it's been an issue since he got to Philly. Uh, but now that Reed has, has kind of taken over the reins here, I am again, very much hoping that he maintains control of them. I, even more than like Montrez, I think there's a real chance he goes to Dwayne Dedman here at some point in the next couple of games. And that might be another DeAndre Jordan, Paul Millsap kind of situation where Reed just gets shuffled off behind these two old guys who aren't very good anymore. Should be very unfortunate. Um, Dedman has not given Miami much of anything this season. I don't think he's someone you can rely on in the playoffs. Doc said before the game. 
that they're going to change based on matchup, which is what he always says. He said they're going to change starting fives based on matchups, and Maxi has never started since he said that. So um, hopefully we don't get like a run of Deadman games here coming up. I, I think Reed's pretty clearly the option, but we shall see. I do think there's always a chance that he goes back to one of the old guys. Reed has had a very short lease in the past. So a couple of off nights from Paul could mean that Montrez or, or Deadman gets uh, put in there. So I wouldn't count it out. Yeah, look, I, he brought in Deadman because they, he's a bigger guy. Honestly, if we're going to go, look, Chris, I, I don't know if you agree with this, but at this point, and I know that he has, he has the Mariah, like, in ter- like a Pariah, he has the label of a Pariah because what he said on a Twitch stream two years ago and, you know, he's apologized since then. But I, I think Miles Leonard would have been a better option than Dwayne Dedman, um, to be completely honest. And, look, like you said, Dedman last year when we played him in the playoffs, solid backup. This year has looked awful. Um, the Heat, I think, were te- 13 points worse on offense when he was on the floor, if I remember seeing that correctly. Um, so I hope that they don't go to him. I think knowing Doc, he probably will try to experiment. But in the meantime, Paul Reed has been very good. And look, Doc might not even go to... I, I hope that he brought him in more as a veteran presence. He is a good veteran to have, I think. So maybe that's what we'll get. We'll see. But in the meantime, we'll just pray that Paul Reed can just cement himself here. If we're going to play Paul Reed in the playoffs, he needs these reps right now. Last 25 games or so. So that's that's my feelings on it. That being said... Let's go ahead and switch gears. All right, Lucas. Uh, let's have some fun now. We talked not that long ago about uh, our point guard and shooting guard rankings at the site that I came up with. Now we're going to talk about the forward positions. We'll start with small forward. The way we're going to do it is I'll just go in chunks of five from 30 to one, and you'll yell at me for how wrong I am. I think that's the general flow that we've agreed on mm-hmm. um, i'm okay with so y'all I can't you. <laughs> let's start with small forward um at 30 i have the uh brother of someone six of fans are not very familiar with i have Jaden mcdaniels of the minnesota timberwolves at 30 not at bad 29 i have benedict matherin the is uh, he really small forward or is he shooting guard you know six 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 seven he's uh i guess uh, I have Jalen Williams, the rookie small forward from OKC at 28. He's been playing great basketball lately. I honestly Kelly, thought you would have had. I thought you would have had him higher. I mean, I agree with you, but I thought you would have had him higher. Yeah, uh, he. It's a matter of time. Um, Kelly Oubre Jr. is at 27. Huh? Did not think he was going to make your list. Herb Jones is at 26. Not surprised there. Cool. All right, next five. 25, I have Trey Murphy the third, another Pelican. Okay, hold up, hold up. Why do you have Trey Murphy over Herb Jones? Because I thought you had, you know, a, like, basketball crush on Herb Jones. I do. It's 1A and 1B. I, I also have a basketball crush on Trey Murphy. The, you know, he is really underrated. He's he's a really good, like, he, he, he would be a starter for most teams, I think, that didn't have Brandon Ingram. Yeah, no, 100%. Great great shooter, does both sides of the ball. The thing with Herb is that the offense is still pretty rough around the edges. That's really what's holding him back. But That's fair. 
So that's wide trick at the edge uh, for me. Number 24 is Josh Hart, the new New York Nick. Number mm-hmm. 24 is Bruce Brown Jr. of the Denver Nuggets. Number 22 is DeAndre Hunter of the Atlanta Hawks. And wow, 21. That seems kind of low for DeAndre. Sorry, go ahead. 21 is Harrison Barnes. Okay, that makes sense. All right, next five, 20. We have R.J. Barrett, another so New York Nick. Pa- 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 pause there, Chris. Yep. I'll be honest with you. I think DeAndre Hunter's better than R.J. I, I'm really I'd rather, the argument. I, I'd rather, okay, look, RJ is a low efficient scorer, not good defensively. The only thing that you can hold against DeAndre is, yeah, he doesn't have as many, he's not as skilled, you know, off the dribble as RJ, and he does have injury issues. But when healthy, he fits into the mold of an elite 3 and D wing that can score a little bit more than just from the three-point line. So I, I'd rather have DeAndre. That's just me. Yeah, I, I mean, fair argument. I, I'm still holding out a little bit of hope with RJ. He had a really amazing season last year, and this year has been a much bumpier ride. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's a good argument. Those guys are going to be kind of tied together in conversation as the three and four pick from their respective drafts for a long time. So it, it's definitely a battle, and I think they're pretty similar. Uh, so yeah, fair argument for sure. Nineteen, I have Buddy Heald. Another pacer. I, I, I'm sorry, he, Buddy Heald is a shooting guard at six five. I'm sorry, they play him out of position, but I guess for their team, he is a small forward. So I'll give that to you. But I think he should be in the shooting guard. Th- yeah. That, yeah. Sure. Fair. Eighteen, I have Dorian Finney-Smith. Um, of the Brooklyn Nets now. Going to be a lot of Brooklyn Nets on this list <laughs> after the trade yeah, deadline. Yeah, that's that's not uh, inaccurate to say. Okay, um, Kelvin Johnson. Forward, but yeah, I don't even I don't even know what he is. That's a good question because they have like three. Sorry, go ahead. We'll get exactly. Um, they they have three. Um, Kelvin Johnson at seventeen of the San Antonio Spurs. Before and, the season, before the season, I would have said that's too low. But this season, yeah, that seems right. Yeah, sixteen is. Um, everyone's favorite highest paid sixer, Tobias Harris. Uh, yeah, I don't look, me and you had an argument before <laughs> you even wrote this about where Tobias needs to be. If uh, the power forward or a small forward, I guess he's a small forward again, but at least it's not without Horford. Um, I feel like this is kind of low, but at the same time, I know how you feel about Tobias. So I, I, I'm not going to fight it that much. Unless I see well, somebody ahead of him that I'm really going to disagree with. So, 15, I have Cam Johnson, now Brooklyn Net. Um, uh, I don't. <laughs> no, Chris, no, he's not. It's Cam, right. Cam, no, Cam Cam might be a better 3 point shooter, but Tobias has more well rounded game and better defensively. Answer me this. What is the best version of Tobias Harris? What are the things that he does when he's playing his optimal quick decisions, style of basketball. Quick decisions, mm-hmm. playing good defense. Mm-hmm. Okay. Shooting threes. Yes. What does, is Cam Johnson Cam, not better Cam's on all got, three fronts? Uh, Cam Johnson's not better defensively. I'm sorry. If they if he was, he would have been playing against Jay, uh, ahead of Jay Crowder last year. So, no, he's not better defensively. I, I will not give you that. He might be better as a... I, I think he's... 
better offensively as a role player. And I, I think as a role player, but that's the thing. I think Tobias is Bias not a role, is a role player. player. I, I do no. not think Tobias is a good star. You know, he's not a star, but he's like the third score on like he should. He's his best role is as a third score. The Sixers are using him as a fourth. So it's a weird fit. Sure. Okay. And Cam is about to be the third scorer on Brooklyn and that's he's much more efficient. That And that's why I picked him up in fantasy basketball. Anyways, number 14, Michael Porter Jr. Okay. Number 13 is Franz Wagner of the Orlando Magic. Okay. Number 12 is OG Ananobi of the Toronto Raptors, still. And number 11 is Andrew Wiggins. Uh, I don't know. Wiggins has been kind of underwhelming this year. I might have switched him and Ananobi. Sure. But uh, you know, okay, fine. I'm not going to argue it too much. Yeah, I think a lot of these guys are neck and neck. I think there's sort of a break between Harris and Johnson and, and Michael Porter. I, I think that's like maybe a tier line tier between tier, those yeah, guys. Yeah. Um, number 10, I have Mikhail Bridges. Also okay, so, Brooklyn Net. so so I'm going to stop you here. I think Mikhail Bridges could be jumping a few spots by the end of the season number I, 10 is correct now but in the by the end of the season it could be a few steps higher 100 percent agree let's talk about the guys ahead of him now number nine i have brandon ingram of the pelicans okay uh, number eight i have chris middleton of the milwaukee uh, bucks uh, okay are you basing this on their body of work or just this season yeah, I mean, look, obviously Chris has been hurt all year, um, but I think in general, when he's healthy, he's, you know, the eighth best small forward. Uh, I don't, uh, that's a tough one. I guess I'll give you that, but I don't love it. I think Chris only has the advantage on Brandon because of the playoff experience. That That so, is my only, my only gripe there. Um, number seven, DeMar DeRozan. Number yeah, six, that seems good. Is Jimmy Butler. Yep. Okay. I don't disagree. All right. Top five. Number five is Paul George. Okay. Number four is Kawhi Leonard. Fair. Number three is LeBron James. Number two is Jason Tatum. And number one is Kevin Durant. Yeah, I don't I don't have any complaints. Yeah, that that's that's pretty it sucks because like LeBron is LeBron, but he can't play defense anymore. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kevin Durant, I guess, I mean, he's kind of fluid on which forward position, but I guess he likes to consider himself a small forward, so whatever. Um, Jason Tatum, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's a good list. I don't, I didn't have too many gripes with this one. Let's go to the next one. Let's see if I can complain more. I mean, (laughs) let me hear your arguments. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, 
planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, power forward number thirty, PJ Tucker. Um, that seems kind of high. <laughs> like, look, I love PJ, and I've, I'm sure you had to finagle this a little bit to make it Sixers related. No, no, nah, never. never. But Chris, be honest. Do you do you truly believe this, or did he you have yourself into it? Still a very good defender. Okay, um, that's what I thought. That's that. So you talked yourself into it. Okay. Oh, I no, not at all. Um, PJ was like 18 last time we did this. This is a big drop. Okay. Uh, 29, Chris Boucher of the Toronto Raptors. I don't, I also don't think that's, a, he's a top 30. That That's, if he's I, in top 30, I feel like we're in a bad place at the power forward position then. I, I will say power forward felt much weaker than all the other positions. Uh, mainly because. Well, know, let me ask you this. Is Ben Simmons in this list? Or is he going to be on the side? Maybe. Is, what? What? 28, I, Marcus Morris by Sr. By, by the way, just for people that know, I haven't read his articles yet. So I'm be. this is my real like reaction to this as we go. Marcus 28. Morris, okay. Marcus Morris. 27, Ben Simmons. Uh, <laughs> what, 26. Chris? Hold up. Stop, 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 stop. Look, Chris. Chris. What? We have a problem here. Ben Simmons is essentially is almost become the third string center for the Nets because Dayron Sharp is starting to get more minutes at back, back up. Like Chris, he's not even starting. And like, look, I understand. Let, 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 me, let me go on a Ben Simmons. So, so I can't say the word right now. Let me go on a, a Ben Simmons. Thank you. But let me go on a rant right now about Ben Simmons. Look, if Ben, if there was a time that Ben Simmons was going to resurrect his career. This would be the moment. There is no established superstar in Brooklyn. 
The expectations are low now. The ball, Spencer Dinwiddie can play off the ball. The ball should be in Ben Simmons' hand. The only fit that's not there that, that makes it kind of difficult is Nick Claxton. But at the same time, you can still make it work with the rest of the shooters if Ben Simmons is your point guard again, which I don't think Jock Vaughn will do. But if he did, it might give Ben the chance. Now, I'm not mm-hmm. saying Ben take advantage of that chance, but it, it's it's possible, maybe. I don't uh, There's a chance. Yeah, he's trending in the wrong direction. It's true. Um, I, I mean, I, I think we're maybe glossing over the like pretty persistent knee and back issues. Those probably aren't nothing, but okay. he's clearly okay. just not. Chris, do you, okay, okay, look, I would like to believe that he's having those issues, but they seem well, to come I, at, I think at it's the pretty weird. clear that he's not moving quite like he used to. Like, like I, 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 I think, think it's pretty evident in his play. I, I, I think it's also very evident that mentally he is just not there, Chris. And 100%, I think I, I think maybe, both are true. And that's the I, issue I, is that he's sorry. Yeah. I'm gonna take a Uriah stand here and say no, the, the, the injuries are just a cover up. I'll be honest, I don't think his mental health is like this is Royce uh white level here. For those that don't get the reference, look him up. That's where I think we're at with Ben Simmons' mental health though. So Ben is a very hard-to-place player right now, going past and future and what he might happen, you know, what might happen to him. But 27 for now. 26, I have Kendrick Williams of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, Next five. At 25, I have Keegan Murray, the reigning number four overall pick from the Sacramento Kings, one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA this season. Number 24, I have one of the better role players you'll find out there, Nick Batum of the Los Angeles Clippers. Um, 23, I have Kyle Anderson of the Minnesota Timberwolves. 22 is PJ Washington of the Charlotte Hornets. And 21 is Larry Nance Jr. of the Pelican. So I'm going to stop there. I feel like you're overvaluing, overvaluing Larry Nance a little bit. I would have had him a few spots lower. I would have had Keegan Murray a few spots higher. I think he's better than Nick Platoon or Larry Nance. But that's just me. Sure. That's just me. I mean, look, I think Nick Platoon is a really good glue guy that's really smart, but skills-wise have very much diminished in the NBA at this point in his career. And then you also have uh, Larry Nance, who is just pretty much a freak athlete, which is fantastic. It's fun, but I don't. And he's smart enough to know how to play his game, but I don't... He's undersized. He's really undersized. He should be playing center. His skill set is at for for center. And he's just not big enough to play it. So he's playing power forward. Sure. Fair. I, I mean, he almost... I almost put him on the center list. It's kind of hard to, to play some of these guys. Um, yeah. So... 20 is a guy who is really just writing reputation at this point. We'll see how he looks this year. I have Jay Crowder now of the Milwaukee Bucks. Chris, I got to give you crap on this because I gave you crap on this with Lonzo Ball. If they haven't played this season, they can't be on the list. Okay, I won't put Chet Holmgren on the center list if that makes you happy. Thank you. Thank you. That's all I ask, Chris. (laughs) That's all all I ask. Um, Brandon Clark at 19 of the Memphis Grizzlies. Fair enough. 18. I have Jared Vanderbilt. Should have been a sixer, but he is a Laker. 
17, Grant Williams of the Boston Celtics, and 16 is John Collins of the Atlanta Hawks. Okay, so let me just say this. If Jared Vanderbilt was on the Sixers, he'd be a center, uh, not a power forward on your list. Um, Second, mm-hmm. I hate to agree with you, but yeah, John Collins, based off of how he's being used this year, is probably 16th, which is a shame because his talent – and if they used him correctly, should warrant a top 10 spot, in my opinion, or at least top 12. But because they're not using, like, he's been so diminished offensively, and, like, defensively, he's never been, like, elite, but he's been passable, right? He's been, like, average. But because they're not using him barely at all now offensively with Murray and then using Clint Capella or uh, Kongwu in the pick and roll, it just doesn't work. And... I feel bad for John. John Collins needs to be saved from Atlanta. Save John Collins. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I agree. Um, 15, Kyle Kuzma of the Washington Wizards. I feel like that's a little bit too low, Chris. I'm going to come to Kuzma's defense. Well, let's Especially- just see who's in front of him first. Okay. 14 is Scotty Barnes. Okay, fair. Reigning rookie of the year. 13 is everyone's uh, favorite person in Philadelphia, Al Horford. Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> should not be that this high on this. I look, look, I get that you love his, you know, non box number box score stuff. I get that, Chris. But at this point, Chris, he's first off, he's primarily a center. Secondly, Chris, no, he's like, ain't he's like, what is he like 34, 36 now? He's old. And Kuzma's better. He's Kuzma's old. better. Kuzma's better. I'm sorry. Kuzma's better. He's old and. Who do I want in a playoff series? Al Harford. Um, 12, Boyan Bogdanovich of the uh, Detroit Pistons. I think Kuzma's and, better. Okay. That's your opinion. Um, 11 is Paolo Bancaro, the soon-to-be rookie of the year out of Orlando. Okay, that's fair. All right. Top 10. Number 10, Aaron Gordon. Maybe should have okay, been an all-star stop, Denver Nugget. Stop there. I was with Gordon and Boncaro. Okay, sure. Yeah, they're they're close. Fair argument. Um, number nine, Jeremy Grant, former Sixer, now Portland Trailblazer. Okay. Number eight, Julius Randle of the Nueva York Knicks. Okay. Number seven, Evan Mobley, who we just saw play uh, for the Cleveland Cavaliers. I might, I might switch Julius and Evan, but I can. I, I'll give you that one. It's a close one. Very close on that. It might be. Yeah, they're close. And number six is Draymond Green of the Golden State Warriors. It's weird that Draymond's still this high. It doesn't feel like he should be, but I I'm, I don't, like, maybe it's just because I don't like his personality. That's why I don't feel like he should be this high, but he, he should be this high. I just, I don't know. Like, the box score is not impressive, but, like, at the same time, he does do a lot of stuff. So I, I guess six is okay. I just feel weird about it. Yeah, that's fair. It's it certainly he's he's trending down rather than up. Um, number five is the guy who is probably going to win Defensive Player of the Year, Jaron Jackson Jr. I feel like okay, so I don't disagree, but let me make a little rant about Jaron Jackson Jr. here. For one of the best defenders in the NBA, he has a hard time staying on the court. Like he's he's fouled out of plenty of games, like only playing like 24 to 28 minutes per game. It feels like it should be 
I don't know. It's just it's weird. It's weird. Not a fan, but I you guess know, it works. You could say the same about Paul Reed. Um, no, I don't. Not quite the same. He's averaging the lowest foul rate of his career, only four point five for thirty six. So it's been it's been less of an issue this year. Um, but yeah, you're right. Only twenty seven minutes a game, and still three point three blocks per game. So he he does enough in those twenty seven minutes to to earn some credit. Um, number four is Larry Markkinen of the Utah Jazz, first time All Star. I don't know how I feel about that. Like you, you can make the argument, but at the same time, it feels like I don't know. Like I feel like I need a full season of this before I accept this as a, like a fact. Because if you told me before the beginning of the season that Lowry Marketing was going to be a top five power forward in the league, I would have laughed at you. Yeah, and like I get that he gets to re- be a replacement starter, but I just Chris, it's weird. Tell me that it's tell me that it's not weird. It's weird, right? He's not a replacement starter. He's a oh, he's a replacement starter. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I yeah. mean, look, he's had an awesome season. Like, I think he's earned it. Um, could he like regress next season for whatever reason? Maybe, but I mean, he's a 25 year old. He's been trending up the last couple of years. He was really good in Cleveland. Obviously, not this good, but he was awesome over the summer in FIBA play. Like, like it's been moving in this direction for a minute. So. Not completely out of the blue. Obviously, Utah has kind of cleared the way for him to, to really take off, but I, I buy it. I, I think he's really good. Um, so, number three, Pascal Siakam of the Toronto Raptors. Number two, Zion Williamson. And number one, of course, is Giannis Antetokounmpo of the Milwaukee Bucks. Chris, you made a very... Glare. Uh, I don't disagree, by the way, with the top three. But let me just say, you made a very glaring omission. And granted, I'll admit that he hasn't played a lot this season due to injury, but technically Carl Anthony Towns is the starting power forward for the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah. He's yeah. not on the list, Chris. He's, he's going to be on the center list. He's in center. I'm sorry. Wow. He's in center. Yeah, I had Kawhi and Paul George on the small forward list together. It's going to be the same with, with Gilbert and Towns. Uh, okay, I, I'll accept it, but I, it's weird. Okay, all right. Well, that's that's fine. Let's go ahead and switch gears, and let's go ahead and talk about the power ranking the East contenders, Chris. Let's let's talk about just the top eight here. So, who do you have in your top eight? Who do I have in my top eight? I will put the Boston Celtics. At number one. Oh, Chris, put, oh, hold up, hold up, hold up. Let's go reverse order. Uh, okay. Yes. Spoiler. Sorry, everyone. Okay. Reverse order. Number eight. I am going to roll the dice a little bit on a team that hasn't been that great this year, but they, they made a big move at the deadline. They kept it together. They've been up there in the contenders circle or adjacent to it in the past. I'm going to go with Toronto as my number eight. They're oh, currently the oh, ninth seed. Yep. Okay. They're a game behind Atlanta for the eighth seed. I, I would put Toronto above Atlanta if I'm making my contenders. So okay. Toronto at eight, I would put New York at seven. I would put 
the Knicks, right? Yep, New York Knicks at seven. Six, I would put the Brooklyn Nets. I think five is where I would put Miami. I'd put Cleveland four, Philly three, Milwaukee two, Boston one. You're pretty much running up the standings at that point. But okay. Yeah, I think that would be my, my eight. My back, so mine's a little different here. So number eight, I'm actually going to go with the Washington Wizards. I think that they're starting to catch a groove now, especially after the Rui Hachimura trade. Uh, Denny Aviad, I, I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but he's been going off crazy, uh, getting a lot more minutes at the small forward position with Rui gone. And I think it's been a positive add, uh, you know, addition by subtraction there. Not saying that Rui was bad because he's doing fine for the Lakers. It's just there was not enough minutes to go around. And I think that that's helped balance out the roster a little bit. We see Porzingis back at the power forward. They're 27 and 30. For, uh, they're in the tenth spot right now. I I, I like it. I, I like like the feistiness there. They have the star power, and I you know they've been playing better defense with uh, Gafford starting. Well, I mean, I like you, like they they don't really have the star power compared to like Toronto or Atlanta though. Yeah, but they have better depth than both of them. Do they have better depth than Toronto? Toronto doesn't have what they have. Precious Tachua. That's that's uh, coming Toronto's off. Toronto's of, like top seven, eight guys are really they strong. They don't have anybody that's not like a power forward coming off the bench, power forward or center. Like if Malachi Flynn is your backup point guard, you have a problem, a big problem. Okay. It's yeah, but it's, the playoffs you're gonna stagger. You know, Scotty or, or Fred will run the show for all I, I just, minutes. I, 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 I'm not feeling Toronto. They have not really impressed me. I'm I'm going to go with Washington. It has nothing to do with the fact that I live in Virginia. <clears throat> anyway, uh, number seven, I'm going to put Brooklyn there. I'm, I was tempted to put – if if there was better teams in the plan, I would be tempted to put – you know what? Actually, I am going to take Brooklyn out. I'm going to take Brooklyn out. I just, I, I like, they're going to get into the playoffs. Don't get me wrong. But in terms of actually making some noise, I just don't see it this year. And it, it has everything to do with Ben Simmons. Um, at seven, I'm actually going to put Toronto. Wait, you just said Toronto was below Washington. I'm changing my mind. I'm allowed to change my mind. You talked me into something, okay? Okay, talk- but. What if okay. Ben Simmons doesn't play in the playoffs, which is very likely? Like you can just take him out of the equation entirely. I just and lo- like look, Mikel Bridges has been great, but I just if if I'm worried about somebody more in the first round, I'm worried about Washington and and Toronto in the first round more than I'm worried about okay. Brooklyn. That's yeah. just me. That's just me. At at six, I have Miami. I just look, they have some guys. But their depth is really questionable unless they add Russell Westbrook, which could happen. I, I don't really see them making much noise in the playoffs this time, even with Jimmy Butler being who he is in the playoffs. At number five, I'm going to put the Brooklyn, I mean, the New York Knicks. I was going to say Brooklyn Knicks. Knicks. No, the New York Knicks. I, I like what they have, Chris. Josh Hart was a really good add on. They have really good depth. They have their. Co- they're 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 buying into what Thib- Thibodeau's got them going on. Jalen Brunson should have been an All Star this year. I I like what what's going on with the Knicks. I'll put them number five. Number four, I have Cleveland. 
Number three, I have Boston. Mm. Number two, I have the Sixers. And number one, I have the Bucks. Yeah. Now, do you want me to why I have Boston so low? Because I I know. Okay, so here's my two thoughts here. As much as I love Joe Mazzulla because he's a West Virginia guy, because you know I love West Virginia. I he's there's been questions about his coaching strategy this year, and sometimes the players are not playing to where they were last year under um, Udoka. So there's that. Also, like granted, their injury history, their injuries haven't been as severe as the Bucks, but they have had a lot of injuries throughout the season. Um, sure, and, and like I guess for me. Like, obviously, Boston has a, you know, chip on their shoulders. But at the same time, I just, I don't know. I feel like I feel like the Sixers have a better chance in a matchup against them with Joel. I mean, granted, I know we lost recently without their, like, three, four starters, essentially. But I think when bought and I, I feel good about the Sixers in that matchup. Um. I don't know if I can get there. I mean, granted, you know, you're right. They've had injuries. They've had, you know, Joe Mazzulla maybe isn't where Udoka was last year. But despite all that, they're still 42 and 17. Yeah, um, no, they're, they're, they're coasting right now. I, I can't deny it. the pudding. Yeah, I mean, they made the finals last year. They have the star power. They're deep. Like, talking about depth, they're the deepest team in the NBA. They're a team that can make up for multiple injuries better than any other team in the NBA. Like you assume they get all their guys back, hopefully by the playoffs. Like Rob Williams has been an elite defender as he always is when he has been out there and healthy. Malcolm Brogdon should probably win sick man of the year. Like that team has guys who can play at a really high level. Like we're talking about ranking power forwards and small forwards like Grant Williams is the eighth, ninth guy some nights. He's really good. They have guys who can step up in big moments when they're needed. Um, Tatum is going to finish top three in MVP voting. Like, I, It's kind of hard for me to buy Philly over Boston until they prove that they can do it on that stage because they just haven't yet since Joel's gotten there. But, I, I mean, obviously that top three is kind of isolated from everyone else. I think there's a pretty clear break between... Boston, Milwaukee, and Philly, and everyone else. I'm totally willing to consider putting Milwaukee at number one. Um, I might even like agree with you deep down in my heart. They've obviously won their last 11 straight. Um, they're rolling right now. Giannis is the best player in the world. Maybe Milwaukee should be number one. Uh, but I, I think Philly's number three, really, until they, they prove us otherwise. Is kind of where my head's at. It just... And that's that's let a us fair, down so often. There, there is a fair. That's a fair argument. I'm just looking at like ceiling. I'm looking at ceiling, and you know, like I would still give Philly a puncher's chance and a matchup against the Bucks. But yeah. I mean, look, if the Bucks are healthy, like they sh- they probably would win a series there. But I would like to think that the Sixers do have a puncher's chance in that series, just because. But, um, I, you know, the people are always talking about, oh, the top of the East is Boston and Milwaukee, and then Philly's like the ugly stepsister at number three. Philly's not the ugly stepsister here, guys. They, they're right up there with these guys. The only difference is these those two teams proved it the last two seasons by getting to the NBA Finals. 
Philly hasn't done that yet. That is literally the only difference between the two, the three teams. Okay. That's in my opinion, that's, that's the only difference. And if you want to say, make, prove it to us, that's fine. I'm not going to argue that, but I think in terms of talent, Philly's right there. Yeah, no, I, I a hundred percent agree. Um, talent wise, you're not going to get much better than Joel and James and, and the guys that they have around them. So I absolutely believe that Philly has a chance to win the East. 100% am down with you there. Um, but, I mean, if we're splitting hairs, again, it's just like Philly's track record is not so great. Um, now, they've only had half a year with James so far. So this is going to be the first postseason with Harden having a full year to acclimate to the system and his teammates. He's clearly much more spry and aggressive this year than he was last year. So there's reason to believe that Harden will just be better in the playoffs than he was last year. So, yeah, mm-hmm. Philly absolutely has a chance. And, and, you know, the, the argument that people always say, well, Harden always poofs out in, you know, postseason. Last postseason, he was injured. We all know that. And in other postseasons in the Rockets, look, he was carrying that team, scoring like 35 a night. Of course he's going to get worn out eventually. I'm not going to blame him for that. Let's see what he does when he doesn't have to carry the load offensively and he's healthy. Because that's what he is right now. And as long as he's those two things, I don't think we're going to have like a bad playoff series or bad. You know, we might get one bad game, but like as long as it's not an elimination game, I'm not going to complain. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, let's go to the next part here. Chris, who do you think benefited the most after the trade deadline slash buyout? Granted, I will say this, that Russell Wilson, not Russell Wilson, Russell Westbrook is still out there. Rumored to be connected to possibly to the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, so that, you know, that just really confirms that the Bulls aren't going to do anything. Um, <laughs> other than that, I'm sorry. No, 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 it's, it's not. Look, I, I honestly don't think he should go to the Bulls. I, I would love to see him implode the Clippers, implode two L.A. teams <laughs> once he's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Um so I'm, I'm going to be honest. This is a bit of a hot take. I, I think the trade deadline was not beneficial to Brooklyn's uh, contention hopes. I, I think they took a step back. I, Chris, I know that's you, you're, jumping ahead. you're jumping ahead. That was going to be my next thing. I'm, I'm asking who, who benefited the most. Not who, who oh, took this. I'm sorry. I thought you wrapped them together. I'm oh, sorry. No, no, no. Just we'll do the step back first. So, yeah, go ahead with Brooklyn. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, the Nets no longer have Kevin Durant, so that stings. I like Mikael Bridges as much as the next guy, as you well know, apparently. But yeah, um, I, I don't think they're they're quite. A, I, I really like this Nets team in general. I think it's a very cool collection of players. Uh, maybe they should have traded Bridges and Finney Smith for six first round picks, but that's another you know issue for another day. Um, right now, that's very cool and well-balanced team but yeah obviously the Nets took a step back um uh, otherwise I mean everyone else in the east was buyers so really Brooklyn's the only team that kind of dropped out of contention here yeah I, I tend to agree on the step back Brooklyn obviously took the big step back with Katie and Kyrie going out if you want to do a smaller team, I'm going to say who took a step back by not taking a step at all is going to be the Chicago Bulls. I think they needed to do something to save their season, and they didn't. And, like, I guess by doing nothing, 
you could say that they took a step back, but like yeah, no, there's there's no saving the Bulls season. They need to blow it up. Uh, 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 I agree. I agree. They should have just traded Zach Levine to the Lakers. I don't disagree, but you know, you can't you know save it now. Um, so, Chris, who do you think benefited the most at the trade deadline here? Well, um, I mean, you look at at Milwaukee. They they got. Jay Crowder, who theoretically is a very good playoff proven two way guy who's going to get a lot of minutes there and play important minutes in the playoffs. Um, Philly, I, I mean, I, I do think Jalen McDaniels is an upgrade. I don't know if it's like moves the needle that much, but he can play in the playoffs. I, I don't know if you can say the same about Matisse. So they, they upgraded. Josh Hart to New York is probably the big one as far as the east goes as far as it probably moves the needle the most out of anyone i agree um, again i i don't think it moves the knicks anywhere close to being actual contenders but he makes them a good bit better he's a really solid glue guy who can tie a lot of pieces together for that team so i i would i would say josh hart i, I guess in new york maybe got the biggest boost there um, but Jay Crowder, if he can return to the form that he was in last year for Phoenix, is going to be a huge help to that Milwaukee team. That really doesn't need that much help because they're very good already. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, Jay Crowder could be the choice. I got to see him play first. Uh, I do agree that Josh Hart, it saves the Knicks from being a playing team. I think they're now solidified as a top six team in the East. Um, I will say this, though. Jakob Pertle, you mentioned him. 100%. Not, yeah, that is not a uh, under that should not be ignored. I mean, he is he was on the team before the quiet trade. He comes back a better player. They needed size to contend with some of the big guys in the East. They got that like a bruiser. He is a bruiser. Now, does Joel really care about him? No, not at all. But, you know, it, it might help them feel a little bit better about it. Um, OK, let me rephrase. Curdle is obviously the best player traded to the East. But I, I mean, you know, I, I guess New York's just like like a step above Toronto right now. Is, is more where my head was at. But yeah, I mean, Pearl was going to help Toronto a ton. Yeah, like they, they might save. He might save Toronto from not being in the play-in. Like before then, I'm not sure if they make the play-in or not. I mean, I know they're currently in it, but now I think he kind of solidifies their interior defense. But the problem with Toronto has never been their defense. It's been their offense. Because they have too many guys that like to do stuff with the ball and not enough spot-up guys. Um, and I think that's the problem with Toronto. But, yeah, I'm going to go with J- uh, Josh Hart. I mean, I think that solidifies them being a, a you know, non-playing playoff team. So that's that's the trade that I'm looking at, though. I'm surprised you didn't mention one guy that got traded to the Boston Celtics, Chris. Your guy, Mike Muscala. I would have hey, 18 he- points the other night. I mean... Yeah, with like no besides Derek White, no other starters. Um, no, I mean, look, Mike Muscala is a is a nice backup to have just in case you don't want to play Luke Cornette in the playoffs, which you probably don't. Um, I yeah. I'll just say this: Dwayne Dedman's not getting you eighteen points in forty three minutes. It's, it's all I'm saying. Yeah. Well, you know, no point crying over spilled milk, Chris. Um, but on that note, let's go ahead and wrap things up. All right, let's do it. As always, to all our listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sixer Sense Podcast. 
Please like, subscribe, and follow along if you can. We are on Twitter and Facebook at Sixersins. We are on the web at Sixersins.com. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, Google Play, Audible, and on YouTube, where we will be back shortly. So until next time, everyone, go Sixers, and we will talk to you soon. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.